Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the podcast where we are trying to watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. I'm joined here today in this Sisyphean task by my good friends Chris. Hello. And Patrick. Yo. And our very special returning guest in Every Horror Movie on Netflix, All-Star Katie. Hi. How's everybody doing? Good. Uh, Katie was on our uh, holidays episode. So yes, I she's was. A, she, that was a fun one. She's our returning champion from that one. And I was not on that episode. So, Katie, um, it's great to finally be on the show with you. I know. I'm so excited. Wait, is this only your second so, second time, Katie? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. All right. A lot, of, a lot of people were calling Katie the new Steven, but... <gasps> yeah, I was a little hurt by that. A little, <laughs> maybe a little premature, but we'll see. We're not supposed to tell him that. (laughs) Pressure's on me today. All right, so today we're here to discuss the 2010 Vincenzo Natale movie Splice. But before we get into it, have you guys been up to any horror shit lately? Yes. No. Literally got something in just under the wire today. I watched the new Shudder exclusive Host, which is, uh, I, I feel like... I, you know, I could probably be fact checked on this statement, but I feel like it's the first film actually made about quarantine and it, it was made during quarantine. It's yes. sort of quarantine. It's, it's horror, if you will. Wait, um, is this the, on, is this the, the zoom one? It's, it's zoom. Yeah. It takes place entirely on zoom and, uh, certainly reminded me of a film that Chris and I saw together a few years ago that Chris loved and I did not unfriended which is also a horror movie that takes place on zoom uh while i wasn't crazy about unfriended i have to say i would rewatch it before i would recommend anybody watch host i mean it it has its moments and i i feel like maybe it does the the idea of a horror movie on zoom about as well as you possibly could but uh it wasn't great it is only 56 minutes though so you're not gonna spend too much time on it they should have kept it under 40 minutes yeah, well, that's, that oh. actually that factors into the film, though. Actually, at one point, the the meeting goes on a we timer. Have to, we have to solve the murder in forty minutes. No spoilers. Oh, I like that. No spoilers, but the forty minute meeting time limit does factor sort of prominently into the way the movie wraps up, which is sort of confusing because obviously the movie is itself longer than 40 minutes so it's very sort of arbitrarily <laughs> imposed. But yeah, that is part of the movie. And is it like real time? Is I mean, meant to be yes, but also it's a 56 minute movie that gets. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Up. Yeah, I mean, like technically in real time, like there are no gaps. I mean, there's a lot of creative cutting, which also is so difficult to explain sort of in the world of Zoom because you can't really cut. But all, obviously they cut around so that they can use different takes. Uh, it was interesting. Did not live up to the hype that I read, though. What about y'all? Uh, Chris? Anything? No? No, I, no, nothing new to report. No new business here. Katie, I don't really know what your relationship with horror is, but have you... Uh, and it, it could be real-life horror as well. We're living in unprecedented and often terrifying times. Uh, yeah, as a scientist, everything that's happening right now is uh, kind of scary. 
um, as somebody who's always been fascinated by and has studied infectious disease, this is mm-hmm. something you hear about in your like science history, but never think you'll actually live through. So that's pretty surreal and kind of strange, um, but also fascinating in a way. You could be the next Jonas Salk if you play your cards right. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Well, Katie um, has also been on the Hannibal rewatch train recently. That's notable. Yeah. 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 I watched um, all of Hannibal. And then recently I finally got around to seeing Midsummer. Mm. What'd yeah. you think? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so beautiful. And I uh, messaged one of my friends afterwards. I'm like, Am I a freak for thinking that this has a happy ending? No, I am. Uh, right you and Patrick you. are on the same page. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're gonna have to take this offline, but I love that movie. Yeah. If you guys I was start a fucking satisfied. cult, I was very <laughs> if guys, satisfied. If you guys start a cult, I'm gonna be so disappointed. You know how me and Katie um, are gonna die now. I have lived in a co-op before, which is a little bit like a commune. <laughs> So, <laughs> so what you're saying is you have you have experience and you're going to put it to good use. Yeah, right. there's been, I've practiced. Well, I've got a couple of things. Um, <laughs> Chris got me on the. We, we were talking about cold case files and unsolved mysteries. Uh, this isn't exactly horror, but I feel like you know there's some crossover with horror and true crime enthusiasts. And there's a great documentary series that just premiered a couple of weeks ago on HBO called. I'll be gone in the dark, mm. which is about Michelle McNamara, the famous true crime writer who, uh, whose investigations ended up leading after her untimely death shortly thereafter to the apprehension of the elusive golden state killer. And wow, it's, it's only two episodes. in, I think at least that's all I've seen, but it's just like a fascinating portrait of, um, of obsession and to use her word addiction to dark, material i just love the idea of someone who stays up until two o'clock in the morning every night like actively researching decades old murders and rapes and who like kind of gets off on it but ends up serving the public good in the process Uh so highly recommend checking that out if you like true crime if you like Patton oswald he's all over it um good stuff and had real life horror (laughs) yesterday uh my 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 cat Toby, who our listeners are familiar with, uh, was uh, abducted by someone in my neighborhood and placed in kitty jail at the Ann Arbor Cat Clinic. What? And the saga of figuring out how this happened, what was going on, who these phone calls kept coming from throughout the day was, um, you know, as a cat owner, really a father to Toby, it was the stuff of nightmares. Wow. wow. Is he safe only at home in, now? Only in 2020. Yeah, he's safe now. I think he thought the whole thing was a marvelous adventure. Apparently, <laughs> he made all kinds of friends at the clinic. Uh, but I didn't know what the fuck was going on for about two hours yesterday. <laughs> God bless Toby. I'm so glad he's back. Oh, I also want to mention, uh, following up on discussion from last episode, and I won't belabor this discussion because we did talk about it quite a bit last time, but I did uh, finally watch Dr. Sleep at Stephen's recommendation. Oh, yeah. That was fantastic highly recommend it to anyone i feel like it got uh really underrated critically when it came out and absolutely your recommendation Stephen, to watch the director's cut was spot on because i got 
thoroughly just drawn in and engrossed for that three hours. And when I read afterwards, you know, the parts that were added to the director's mm-hmm. cut, I was like, why did they leave this stuff out of the original? It's just uh, some of it felt almost essential to me. So, yeah. Awesome. Highly recommended, especially for all our uh, Mike Flanagan fans out there, our fanigans. Yeah, there were times when I really thought this was becoming a Mike Flanagan podcast. Oh, it is. It is. All right. Well, I'm glad we have a scientist with us today to discuss discuss (laughs) Vincenzo Vincenzo Natale's Splice. I'm going to correct myself. Apparently, it actually came out in 2009, not 2010. This is a movie in which... Uh, Sarah Polly, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, and Adrian Brody play married duo of scientists who specialize in genetic mutations. They want to throw human DNA into the mix and see what happens. Their bosses don't like that, raises all kind of ethical problems. They do it anyway, and as you can imagine, things get pretty pretty twisty pretty fast. Yeah, and and so that's kind of the context uh, for why we uh, brought Katie on here. Not not that she isn't just a delightful person in general, but uh, uh, Katie actually works in a real life fucking science lab doing all manners of experiments. What goes on in there? I don't know. Some of it is certainly classified. Um, and so I mean, we, we, she we... has a PhD. The woman has a PhD <laughs> in. I'm sorry, but. Uh, molecular, cellular, and developmental biology. There you go. Perfect. Dr. Katie. I did not know that. And, and I didn't either. And oh, th- you did it? No. And that's no. Dr. <laughs> Katie right up, right up the alley of this movie too. Basically. This is basically what you do every day. <laughs> uh, I used to, when I was in grad school now, um, wait, so I- in grad school, you, you spliced together DNA to create penis like worms that that <laughs> tried to murder each other um i did genetic splicing on yeast uh okay. so basically yeah made some dank <laughs> bread it's pretty much made a tomato <laughs> yeah they, they should have just made some nice bread instead of uh whatever the hell they made in this movie i mean why'd you gotta go make something with a stinger yeah <laughs> Well, where, where to begin? I mean, where, 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 to, to begin? where to begin with this movie? This movie was such a eclectic and confounding experience for me. <laughs> I I mean, I, it's got a it's it's got a lot of different familiar horror elements like thrown into it. It's a big stew. It's like a little bit Frankenstein. It's a little bit the fly. It's a little bit the brood. It's a little bit alien, almost King Kong at times. There's like a little bit of that going on. Like it's, it's all over the place, but held together. I think remarkably well, you know what you saying that makes me think maybe it was, you know, uh, a, a little bit uh, meta and that it was trying to do that. <laughs> No, no, not trying to just. That would be that would be awesome. Oh, it was I trying to splice where, genres. Is that what you're it was suggesting? Trying to splice genres and splice homages to horror, uh, you know, tropes. Mm. Yeah, I don't think so. If yeah, I don't think so. That would be really cool. Um, I mean, this movie is. I'm just gonna come right out and say it, but, and I'll I'll elaborate when we do our reviews. But like, this movie is not smart enough to do that (laughs) there's a lot of really kind of there's a lot of dumb shit in this movie i mean i thoroughly enjoyed it but this is a movie where like 
characters, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, but characters make stupid decisions just to move the plot forward left and fucking right. I want to start at just square one with our two protagonists because they alone fascinate me and the the concept of them fascinates me because they're like these hipster, like bad boy rock star scientists. They're just always, almost always, well, maybe not almost always, they're frequently very stylish stylishly dressed in like rock star chic and they swagger in and out of the headquarters of the company they work for and like stick it to the man and say we're going to work on what we want to work on and just the whole concept of them was i mean fascinating to me it was fascinating to watch these two characters and i like adrian brody brody and i like sarah polly um so it was entertaining to watch but at the same time i was like this alone seems amusingly disconnected from reality Surprisingly, though, you do get science, some scientists who are like that. Do you? Oh, yeah. Hipster there, are, there are some there are some rock star scientists who. Yeah, I've, I've met a few. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah. and I kind of appreciated it because it didn't at all play into the like typical stereotypical uh, movie nerd scientist, you know, like pushing the glasses up the nose like. It's like, yeah, these are cool scientists, you know? Yeah. And I definitely appreciated that because I'm so sick of seeing, you know, the same scientists look and act the same in movies. Yeah. It gave me a little bit of a, of like Dustin Hoffman and outbreak energy as far as like subverting the movie scientist trope. I thought of outbreak Um, several times watching this movie and, oh God, this movie made me long for outbreak. Um, in terms of, wow. (laughs) In terms of the science, like I just had, there's so much time spent in science labs and working with science shit. And it has this veneer of, of science fiction on it, but it was impossible for me to take seriously uh, because, you know, like, like Steven said, the characters are always doing dumb things to move the plot forward. Even I, as a layman and, and, and especially watching this, you know, during a pandemic where we're like a little bit conscious of like what like PPE is, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, it was really hard for me to accept that this was a, these were actually competent scientists so much so that I thought maybe the point of the movie was that it was a satire and that it was just meant to show us two completely idiotic bumbling scientists who happen to make a great discovery and what happens uh, in the fallout of that. But it takes itself way too seriously to be going in that direction. Well, and like, okay, this is why I brought up uh, Frankenstein, because this, I, I don't know, like, motivations are unclear throughout this movie. At least in Frankenstein, like, we know that Victor Frankenstein is, like, a megalomaniac who's, like, tempting God, or um, or taunting God by by um, by doing the experiment he's doing and in, in, in making this creation. In this movie, like, I, I don't know, I mean, I, it took me a little bit of work more so than necessary to like piece together like why the central experiment that ends up being integral to the movie like even happens in the first place because they're almost like they want to i mean it is almost frankenstein like in that they the the higher ups want them to you know create proteins that are going to be helpful in in medical uh advancements and they're just like no we want to make a human animal hybrid because that sounds cool no that wasn't I don't really think what it was i don't think they're egotists what? but i can see reading it that way it just feels like they're being 
they're just they're just rebellious by nature. No, they, like, they don't want to do what they're told. They're rebellious and they want to save the world. And the reason that they want to create this dumb hybrid is supposedly because it can be a cure to cure cancer and all this other shit. And the pushback no, they get I from totally the, disagree. What? Yeah, <laughs> that, was guys, my, that was the conversation in the board meeting. Steven and Chris, but that's no, they, y'all no, nuts. To me, these people wanted to do it just to see if they could. That's why I'm saying they're being yeah. rebellious. Like they're 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 they just, like, well, can we get they away with this? They just wanted to see if they like, could do it. You well, know, okay. they want the legacy. The they want the bragging rights. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying they it's push, egotism. Yeah. All right, they want to push the boundaries and see if they can do this incredible thing that nobody's ever done. That may right. that may be their internal motivation. Their their other motivation is that this could theoretically save the world or whatever. But it is unclear because I think their motivations are just so cl- unclear throughout this entire movie. This movie feels to me like like several different screenplays, several different drafts with with vestigial organisms kind of floating around in them. It is. Uh, I feel like this got GJ'd uh, quite a bit. Um, no. Well, I can tell you, Natalie wrote this movie himself, and then two, maybe three other writers were brought in. Like this movie was supposed to come out after Cube, which was in like the mid '90s, and it came out something like almost ten years later. Like. This thing definitely went through the ringer. There's a lot of hands on it. It's externally stated motivation. It's not even internal. They talk about how, you know, they don't want to just be, you know, building proteins or whatever. And they want to make a creature. They want to make a creature. Mm-hmm. That's well, they, blatantly they, the- stated. Like, they, they say the medical thing to try and convince the, you know, the bosses to let them do it. But they explicitly state to each other that they're, you know, trying to make a make a monster well they're trying to push science forward and whether it's for their own ego or for saving the world that's you know maybe both but the the higher-ups want them not to just like create something for they want them to create a product and i thought that was an interesting idea where basically medical knowledge scientific knowledge has no value unless it creates a marketable product um and i thought that was an interesting theme that was kind of touched on a couple times but Nah. So I mean, yeah, we can get bogged down in in the the motivations, um, whether or not they're made clear. That's not really all that interesting to me. They they so they they do end up making a monster, and I don't know. Does anybody want to describe what this creature looks like when it first emerges? Oh my god, it's like a little baby turkey. It looks like turkey a monkey. <laughs> Turkey. Yeah, like a, a turkey monkey, a hairless turkey, turkey monkey. monkey. Sure, yeah. Turkey monkey baby. <laughs> that like runs around, it has like vestigial, like little tiny baby what look like wings that later turn out to be arms. But yeah, it runs around like a bird and is quite horrifying early on, but also a little cute. Actually, I thought it was cute. Yeah, it's a weird... I thought it's, the baby version was adorable. So it's kind it of a great in, combination of the two. If it was in your lab, would you have guessed it? Would you have uh, put it in the eyewash station and and sucked it out of the lab? I don't know. Would Would you have put it under the the flame hood? I don't know. How do you How do you dispose of things in the in the lab? What would What would you do in your lab if you saw this thing? There's a reason I chose to work with microbes rather than animals. <laughs> no, okay, but talk us through the the science and the science fiction of how this thing comes to be. Uh, like uh, it, where 
if at any point does this crossover with reality of any sort. Yeah. What did you see in this movie that you recognized? Okay. There are some things that they did do well. And I appreciate that because for me, when I, when I sit down to a movie like this, I'm ready to suspend disbelief and to subscribe to some really fantastical ideas. So the idea that they're making these creatures by fusing different organisms, DNA together, like, you know, the science behind that I'm fuzzy on, but I don't think that what they did is possible, but I'm not sitting down to criticize that. It's like, you're going to give me a fantastical idea. I'm on board with you. But like, for me, the devil's in the details, like the minutiae, like that's where you, that's where you will sell as a scientist at a, you know, as a jumbo nerd, that's where you're going to either sell me or lose me. And there's some things that I thought that they did well, when they talked about splicing DNA and manipulating it, they talked about um, digesting it. And then I don't know if they used the word, they, I think they used the word ligase. So when you're manipulating DNA, you can use certain enzymes to cut the DNA at very specific points, and that's called you know, digesting it. And then to put it back together, to kind of like stitch it back together, that's a process called ligation. And they mentioned the enzyme they used to perform that ligation, they said T4. Hmm. And that's an enzyme I've used myself in the lab to do that exact same thing. All right. So it's, it's a little thing that I appreciated so much. And like the way they used pipettes and different equipment in the lab, it's one of the most accurate ways I've seen that done in a movie. A lot of times in... in movies or shows they use pipettes completely wrong and again these are these are small things that most people might not notice but it actually means a lot to me and when i see them doing those little things right i appreciate it tremendously so there's a small portion of it that's not bullshit a very small portion, <laughs> but it's there, and I thank them for it. Okay. The follow the follow up question, the obvious follow up question is, like, what was the first moment that really took you out of the experience, given your background? Oh, basically, what Fred and Ginger looked like—the first organisms they made, oh. the way those things looked, and they also were... the principle of creating these weird monster creatures to produce certain proteins. Yeah, does anyone want to like take a stab at describing Fred and Ginger because they're certainly memorable? They look—they're very penis-like. I mean, to the point that they even have like a like a glands that is meant to be their head. Um, but they also have little thorns that come out of the the hole at the ends. They crawl around like slugs, but they can also sort of sit up like caterpillars. Yeah, they're very amorphous. They have kind of like almost amoeba-like properties. Hmm. They're just kind of blobby. They looked like uh, bread dough to me, just like sentient bread yeah. dough crawling around an aquarium. But these are like, the like, first creatures that our scientists make. Yeah, and I was like, I want to know what the physiology of that thing is. Like, Are there bones? I don't know. How is it doing? The flesh? Like, That's do they what have I want to know. Like, what's the anatomy of this thing? It's just like a blobby do. I don't know. <laughs> they don't look like they could survive on dry land because their flesh is almost translucent like a sea creature as well. Mm. I'm very odd. I don't really understand what, what, what they were going for with those things. Yeah. And They're I'm unpleasant familiar- at the very least. Yeah. And I'm familiar with, you know, using uh, 
you know, genetic engineering to have organisms produce proteins that they normally wouldn't make, but you don't need to make a whole new organism in order to do that. <laughs> but you do to make an interesting science fiction you horror do. movie. And so, so I was like, all right, if that's your premise, then I'm, then I'm with yeah. you. So they make Fred and Ginger. The big bosses say, we want you to stick to Fred and Ginger, mine proteins from them. Hipster scientists say, no, we want to make a hybrid. So they use a computer to check like a million different hybrids and finally come up with one that works. They get the magical like green light. This is another thing that I like want to fact check. Is there a, a drop of reality in doing all those simulations of a hybrid and finally going, oh, this one's going to work? You're literally um, face palming. <laughs> uh, that that always kills me in movies when I see like these perfectly like cartoonish chromosomes <laughs> up on a screen like that. I cannot speak for all science at all scientists, but <laughs> in my experience, I've never I've never encountered that. It's movie bullshit, and it would take way longer to sequence the DNA. And even sequencing the DNA wouldn't tell you if you were going to have a viable creature. Yeah. Okay. What That's right. what I figured. Because then why would you? Then why would you even need to run a physical experiment if we had technology that just went through all the steps of the scientific method for you? <laughs> Are you disappointed that as you know you did all this work to become a PhD <laughs> in this incredibly complicated field, and you don't get to sit down at a computer and have it light up green and say "perfect match, one hundred percent" or whatever, and you get to say "we did it." I don't think I've ever said Eureka in my life <laughs> uh, in any sort of serious capacity. Well, there's well, still time. Keep keep looking into that hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the cure is in there. I, I, I heard about that's it. That's the stuff. So, like, we come up with this magical match, finally. They find their, their perfect DNA match of a human-animal hybrid, and they use this amazing, I love it, uh, like artificial womb suspended in the middle of a room. It's just full of like fucking blue Gatorade. There's some sort of like fake womb inside it that they're growing the creature inside. Eventually the creature starts to like get too big and crazy. And so they have to like bash the womb open and like open the valve at the bottom and let all the Gatorade out. It's great. I love it. I know it's total bullshit. I love it. Well, yeah, but and then that sequence is where I just kind of w became so confused about what this movie was because you see them just going batshit and they're they're breaking their thing and there's goo everywhere and there's a very deliberate shot where the guy has like a syringe or a pen coated with like hybrid animal goo and he just like he puts it in his mouth <laughs> and it's smearing on his lips and I'm like uh, th this has to be deliberate tongue-in-cheek comedy what else could it be and then that bothered me so much it didn't bother I me because I was like this is hilarious this is this is funny this is satire but then 45 minutes we're talking about like child abuse and neglect with a straight face and I'm like this I don't think this movie is actually laughing with me at this stuff <laughs> would this have hit us the same way six months ago though no because I had the same question. reaction to the PPE stuff. I'm like, holy shit, why are you taking off your glove to touch this creature that's just been born? 
But also, I don't know if I would have thought about that as much pre-COVID. I get anxious now in a movie when there's two characters talking to each other in a doorway. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, seeing this guy go in where he just, like, fused human DNA with something <laughs> in, is insane. And he's not even wearing, like, a face shield or anything. He's licking the fucking goo. <laughs> <laughs> that killed me when he put that scalpel in his mouth after using it. That you know what? That's when they lost me, uh, Katie. What, That's when they lost me, Doctor Katie. What is the most like fucked up thing that you've ever accidentally exposed yourself to in a lab, and how did oh. you handle it? Oh wow! I've got stories. One of the labs I rotated in when I started grad school, when I was trying out different labs to see which one I was going to join. Uh, we were working on um, uh, studying a bacteria that causes urinary tract infections. And so to set up a realistic in, uh, experimental environment, I actually had to find a recipe online for artificial urine. And I made a two liter, two liter jug of uh, artificial urine to use. <laughs> Wow. Oh, the, uh, what, what, the story doesn't end with you like accidentally drinking from the jug. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No. I was like, what did my first question was, what did it taste like? Not did you taste it, but what did it taste like? <laughs> One of the big rules in science labs is don't taste your stuff. <laughs> Never stick things in your mouth in a science lab. To quote ever. the immortal film Thanksgiving, it tasted like uh, uh, Paris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, also right, so in that same sequence, can I just yeah. talk about the fact that they created this this DNA, right? This DNA hybrid, and they did their like in you know artificial insemination thing, and it worked and created a viable organism on the first try. <laughs> I don't think I have ever in a lab had something work on the first try. As is, like working in a lab. 98% of what you do is troubleshooting well, and repeating they had, stuff. They had the computer do all that. They had the, the magical AI computer that. simulation said it was okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think probably most women who have gone through in vitro fertilization will tell you it doesn't generally take on the first time. Yeah. So the fact that they got this so right, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I get that they're just trying to save time and the storytelling, but no. Yeah. But what they end up with is this beautiful, cute, horrifying little monkey, baby, squid, fucking turkey. dog, turkey <laughs> thing. T-Rex. That Im immediately starts going like, you know. Ape shit. Acting like a face hugger, basically. And, you know, I think someone needs to give James Cameron some royalties for, for some of the sequence that that follows where there's a. Not Dan O'Bannon or Ridley Scott, but no. specifically James Cameron. James Cameron. Because. Because of the because of the, the one guy looking through the glass trying to figure out how to save save his 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 wife or slash partner there. Anyway, long story short, this thing turns into a, like a fucking toddler, and that's basically the premise of the movie. This thing is like a creepy little it's a human animal hybrid. What kind of animal? All of them, and it's a toddler, and they start raising it and keeping it a secret, and it's their little baby, and uh, they start raising it as if it's uh, 
as if it's a kid and it ages pretty quickly. It's an adolescent before we know it, young adult. And uh, to what purpose? And this was kind of where I was watching this movie. I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting, but I'm waiting for like the premise of this movie to reveal itself. I'm waiting for the conflict to reveal itself. What? They're just fucking around with this baby. The conflict is the baby. The conflict is that they've created this thing that they shouldn't have done. That's going to go wrong. It's. I mean, it is essentially a Frankenstein story. I didn't really. I I was waiting for it to go wrong. Something has to go wrong before you have a story. I was like, all right, they made this thing great. And what did I tell you on our cargo episode? Infamously, I said, "Don't make me watch a movie with a fussy baby in it." And (laughs) that's what we get. (laughs) Don't talk to me about the cargo episode. Look, but I mean, things are basically going wrong from the minute this thing pops out yeah but but okay obviously there's the I, I hear you patrick obviously like there's the central sort of like narrative device of like all right this thing shouldn't exist but they're going to take care of it this movie does tread a lot of water just like trying to figure out what the central conflict of them taking care of this thing is going to be like a lot of it is just this creature uh dren which is the their their employer's Name spelled backwards. Their um, employer is nerd. Ha ha ha. And the, the, the thing is Dren. But a lot of it is just like, like we get these like little bursts of conflict. Like, oh, they've got to go to the old farmhouse because they can't keep it in the lab anymore. And then they get comfortable. But then Dren starts acting out. And like, the, it's just like the movie just kind of like turns into something different every 20 minutes. Um, and I, I would say it follows that trend like all the way through the end. There wasn't just like one underlying conflict um, keeping you going through the movie. It felt, it felt very episodic. Yeah, I completely disagree. Oh, this is, no. I completely disagree. They're they're constantly well, you trying can disagree. to that's fine. raise the creature and hide the creature. That's but, yeah, that's but it. It's, it. Yeah, but it's not. That's not really conflict. And, and you find out more about the motivation for that as it goes along. But it's like it's like if you watch Jurassic Park and they show up on the island and they go to the raptor breeding center and the little raptor hatches out of the egg and they spend the next 45 to 50 minutes playing with the raptor in the lab. And uh, like minor conflicts like, oh, they almost dropped the raptor egg. Oh, they almost dropped the raptor. <laughs> but like, what is this movie about? Show, that's, like, that's, <laughs> that's insane. What's that the problem? Insane. This is not insane. Um, you're it, insane. It looks, you're out of order. It looks like it's on a very clear track following tropes that we recognize at the beginning. That's th- They try to do this thing. It does not go the way they expected. They have this little creature that looks like it's going to ha- be malice or something. Um, and, you know, I'm ready to just see it like kind of, you know, I'm ready to see it do what we've seen a million times where it tears up the lab and kills people and stuff. Then it kind of subverts that by giving us this child okay that's interesting what are they gonna do with that well it's just a movie about parenting i guess and i don't know i it was hard for me to figure out what was going on here Hmm. i knew what was going on it was just like really interesting to me the way that it kind of stops and starts and sort of shifts gears um in a way that was almost kind of refreshing at the beginning but then you know, we'll talk about this in the spoiler room, obviously, but it felt like at about the midway point, this movie was less interested in like a like a, a any plot through lines than in just like settling you down, showing you something really fucked up, settling you back down in like rinse and repeat for the rest of the movie. 
Um, the structure of it was unlike anything I think I've ever seen before. See, I, I'm just, I'm really puzzled by the way you guys perceived this. I just, it felt quite straightforward to me. I didn't see anything episodic at all. All right, well, that's, that's great. It probably felt straightforward to Vincenzo Natale as well. Yeah, so, so you know, they're on, uh, um, Adrian Brody, or as I referred to him in my notes, Connor Oberst and Sarah Polly. Uh, they suddenly they're, they're bigger rock stars than ever. They're on the cover of wired, which somehow is perfect bound in the universe of this movie. I thought that was interesting. Um, Is wired not perfect bound? (laughs) Not as far as I know. I thought it was. Um, Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know why I notice these things. So uh, anyway, they, they they've got, no, let's talk about this binding some more. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) All right. That means it has a spine on it. Yes. Okay. Anyway, they're about to show off their big work to a bunch of investors and people in the science community, whatever. They're rock stars. They've got this amazing amazing stage set up. They've got this big aquarium. On either side is Fred and Ginger. And um, Ginger has spontaneously changed uh, its sex. And they fucking destroy each other. It's a bloodbath. More blood comes out of these things than either of them could possibly contain. The crowd goes nuts. The aquarium falls over. Blood spills across the people in the front row like a Gallagher comedy show. (laughs) And these things get out. And basically, our heroes, or anti-heroes, I suppose, are... um, you know they're, they're they're taken out back and uh, they're they're given a talking to by their supervisors. And this scene was a delight to me. It's so over the top and yes, this, it's hilarious. This movie has some some CG issues. I mean, the baby Dren looks decent, I guess, for two thousand nine, um, but definitely doesn't always look great. Um, and I and I liked the way they kind of cut around. You know, creating too much footage of Fred and Ginger, the CG creatures actually fighting, and just did a lot of close-ups of like blood splattered glass and streaming audience yeah. members. And I got the point, certainly got the point when the aquarium tipped over and smashed all over the place and blood came pouring out. I just I love the over-the-topness of it. It was as as with many things in this movie, very Cronenberg to me, and I fucking love David Cronenberg, so I was there for it. It was another moment, much like the guy licking the the bile, that made me think this movie is trying to be a satire or trying to be like a Paul Verhoeven movie, but it it just it's not it's not, and so that makes I just I don't know I don't want to I don't want to be the guy who goes honk honk this movie was totally confused honk honk but I guess because I was in a place where I didn't understand the conflict I didn't understand the characters or their motivations and I didn't understand how I was supposed to feel about anything that's the triple threat that was that was not good for me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. So, Chris, would you view it or screw it? I would screw it for those reasons. Um, I'm sorry to say. I mean, it's not to say that I didn't think there were parts that were interesting. I didn't, you know, it wasn't particularly poorly done. Uh, it's just, it just, it just kept me in neutral for way too long. And I just didn't like where it went either in the end. So, so I would say screw it. Screw Splice. Sorry. I'm going to second your screw it. I mean, it's very watchable, but like, I, I didn't really get much out of it. I mean, 
this thing's been around long enough too that there were a couple of there were some surprises in it for me still they didn't really feel meaningful in any way but some of the more lurid ridiculous moments had been vaguely spoiled for me so i don't know how i would have reacted to it otherwise probably without rage yeah it's this movie just spends a lot of it, it just it's very stop and start and it doesn't feel like it really has anything interesting to say about the human condition uh, which is sort of what I hope for in any kind of horror sci-fi hybrid. Well, we'll this movie seems to be more interested in grossing you out than anything else. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more. There were some glimmers where it seemed like it had some ideas or things to say, but it was just nothing. It was just kind of, here's an idea. Wouldn't it be interesting if this movie were about this? Oh, now we're on to something else. Oh, here's another idea. Wouldn't it be interesting if this was the theme of the movie? No, it's not. Kind of that kind of thing. Well, I'll, I'll add, uh, you know, I want to say some positive things about the movie too in my review, um, quickly. It's well, it's well directed. I mean, it's, it's got, it's got a good, you know, it's, it's solidly directed. It's got a good look. Um, the performances are fantastic, especially for mm-hmm. how ridiculous this material is. Like Brody and Polly are fully committed to their roles. I enjoyed their chemistry. I actually thought the CGI wasn't too bad either, especially for 2009, but I never found it to be like, totally distracting. I think there's a good mix of practical effects in here as well. Um, there's some good tension in points. Uh, definitely some like stomach churning moments as well, which is not necessarily what I go to the movies for, but they, they worked on me. Still, I'm going to give it a screw. Pa- Patrick? Patrick's just sitting here furious, shaking his head. Oh, I am shaking my damn head over here. I saw this in the theater and my re- recollection of it was that it was okay. I, I didn't really feel like it lived up to whatever hype I had experienced for it going in, but I enjoyed it so much more the second time around had completely forgotten about some of the extremely insane. And as Steven said, lurid, which is a very good word to describe it. Things that happen later in the movie had completely forgotten about a few of those details and was shocked and horrified all over again, I guess by those. Um, I don't know. I just feel like you guys are placing way too much expectation on this. I didn't want a exploration of the human condition out of this. And I feel like this is a common problem we have where um, certain members of our party are looking for deep themes. It's just entertainment. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a thrill ride. You know, I mean this, I already, I, I made the comparison once already, but to me, this is very much like a Cronenberg movie and Cronenberg has made some movies that deal with the human condition for sure. But he's also just made some crazy gross out, body horror movies. I mean, this is almost like a contemporary The Fly or something to me. And I'm not looking to The Fly for an exploration of the human condition. I'm looking to it for a fun genre thrill ride. And that's what but I get But it gives you more if you're looking for it. Like, that's... like Cronenberg doesn't just... He's rarely made just like a throwaway movie that doesn't... And I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but I just... We keep mentioning Cronenberg and like... That's mentioned in the reviews and I feel like that's lazy. I mean, there are definitely some, like, obvious point. There's some obvious, like, visual influences from Cronenberg. But, like, Cronenberg's movies are always interested in probing, like, social, you know, just human problems. They might do so ridiculously at times, but they almost always leave you with some food for thought. And I, I think the, the you'll agree doesn't really with leave, I don't. I don't agree with that. The, Cronenberg has made some movies that are just crazy shit. I don't think The Fly delves any deeper into the human condition than this movie does. Well, this movie may delve deeper into the into the human condition than the fly does. Regardless, I didn't think this movie was was a thrill ride enough to skate by on just being a thrill ride. I mean, there's certainly movies that don't have themes that I enjoy that are fun to watch. You know, like 
Die Hard is a fun movie. I don't know if there's a single fucking theme in it. Um, but it just it it didn't seem to commit enough to the fun. If you'd given me an hour and forty five minutes of of crazy ass scientists sucking bile off their their scalpels and aquariums full of blood shattering and some of the more lurid stuff we get later on, great. But it seemed like there was that much like the car road to revenge. It seemed like that movie was here, but then someone got their hands on it and tried to make it a a a idea movie about parenting and and child abuse and all kinds of stuff that didn't fit for me (laughs) but Hmm. we can agree to disagree it's a beautiful thing yeah see i would just submit chris as a final thought that it wasn't the movie that didn't commit to the fun oh wow so okay so i I don't think yeah i don't think i've actually reviewed it Uh, sorry continue what's your rating i might have been to cue it but as over the course of this this discussion i remember how much i enjoyed this movie and i'm gonna give it a view it Mm-hmm. All right, we gaslit you into a view it again. Dr. Katie. <laughs> Katie, what did you think of this? I would give it a cue it. Okay. I would have liked more horror elements in it. Uh-huh. But I think that there were some interesting themes. They tried. They tried with. Uh, they could have potentially, you know, executed better or taken it further with, you know, the dangers of pushing science you know, out of pride and hubris and taking it too far and the dangers of that. And also reliving like the sins of our parents. There's, there's some things that come through in, in uh, one of the parenting styles that is clearly carried over from issues with the mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that are we destined to become our parents kind of thing. But again, I think they could have taken that farther too and explored that more because there wasn't a whole lot of basis behind that. So it was it was fun and interesting for what it was, but I think it could have been executed better in certain respects and I would have appreciated some more scares. So it's a cue it for me. I, I love that you brought up the thing about the 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 parenting styles because it's like yeah, that's a, that's a problem I have with this movie as well. Like, it doesn't take things as, like, far as you think it might. It's almost like, why did you even bring that up? Like, why did the movie even, yeah. like, touch on that territory? Well, <laughs> it never really follows through. We'll, we'll get into that in a little we'll get bit, into I it. am sure. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm being vague about it because I feel like it's probably more spoiler yeah, material. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's 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 take a short break. Let's go out to the spoiler barn. I'm gonna splice together some gin and some tonic, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'll see you guys in a few minutes. We're gonna spoil everything. But wait, you can't forget to give the pitch. We gotta give, we the, got, gotta give the spiel. Did you oh, know? Did you know that we have social media? If not. Check us out. We're at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast, on all platforms, or at least the ones that matter. We're talking about Facebook. We're talking about Twitter. We're talking about Instagram. Talking about TikTok. Talking about LinkedIn. Talking about... Basically, if the owner of whatever social media platform you're thinking of hasn't testified before Congress this week, we're not on it. Talking about MySpace. We got MySpace. 
So find us, um, and then you know we have a, a nice little website. Uh, you can go on there if you if you can find the link, which is sometimes uh, the website's broken. I gotta fix it, but there's a list of every movie we've watched, how we've rated it. You can use that for your viewing recommendations, and then of course there's a link to our merch store, which you can buy shirts and coffee mugs and whatever else you want with some fabulous artwork that that will you know what what. What can we say? It's fabulous artwork of a guy sitting in a chair covered in blood watching TV and who can't relate to that. So It'll get blow over your there. hair back just like the guy in the picture. Yep. So 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 get online, buy our stuff. We appreciate the support. Leave us a review on your podcast platform. And uh yeah, with that said, I think it's time to go down uh, to the that little uh, spoiler room and uh, we'll splice together the spoilers for you. Could I just like just start shooting antibodies and be immune to everything? I would not recommend it. But a lot of antibodies are used um, for molecular biology research. Mm. I've used antibodies quite a bit in lab techniques for protein detection. You got that fucking pill that unlocks 99% of your brain? <laughs> I'm sick of only using 2% of my brain. <laughs> All right, we're uh, we're out here in the spoiler barn. It's a little chilly, which is kind of a welcome reprieve from Michigan summer. Uh, we got pretty much everything you could need to raise a mutant child out here. You got plenty plenty of furniture. We got beds. We got flashlights. Stuffed got animals. Lab, lab equipment. Bath. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really more of a more of a summer home than an abandoned barn. It turns out. So, and, and that barn is where we spend pretty much the rest of this movie. Like the last forty five minutes or so of this thing are, uh, you know, the uh, Dren has uh, very quickly turned into a petulant teenager. Is throwing fits. Wants to go outside. Wants to play with the cat. Maybe kill the cat. We don't know if we can trust her with the cat. She could be allergic. This turns into like. A domestic drama for a little while. Yeah. I would say like 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, And then things get fucked up pretty quickly. Um, You know, Adrian Brody and Sarah Polly are, are, you know, they're they're finally having to like reckon with this horrible mistake they made by, by creating this creature. We we find out uh, in a, in a very uncomfortable scene that Adrian Brody realizes that, you know, of course they used human DNA to, to splice into, you know, whatever, whatever stew they were working with to create Dren. But it was Sarah Polly's DNA, and he is sexually attracted to Dren because she has, like, she's like Sarah Polly, but she doesn't speak English. He doesn't have to listen to her yap at him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, things just kind of get out of control from there. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in this in this barn set because obviously, as Dren grows up and the 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 corporate bean counters get more and more uh, intrusive in the lab setting, they gotta get her out of the lab. So they you know put her in a box, take her out to the country where Sarah Polly 
happens to coincidentally have a family farm where she grew up in a little farmhouse uh, under some domineering, toxic mother who kept her locked in like a little room with a mattress on the floor and a touching memory that is kind of touched on and supposedly, um, like I think Katie started to allude to before I we went to the spoiler room, yeah, kind of comes around into some kind of problematic themes about how I guess if you're abused as a kid, you want to abuse other kids or something, which is not my favorite trope in in horror movies. Um, and at about this point or, or earlier, so we've had CG Dren. We have CG Dren for about half the movie, and then about halfway through, this actress I forget her name takes over, um, and Dren is. Uh, well, there's certainly CG elements still grafted onto this actress, but there's a very human face suddenly attached to her. And I was really, really struck by this actress's performance and empathized a lot with Dren. I just like my heart fucking bled for Dren. I mean, well, yeah, when she was CG, but even more so when there was a human face and a really solid performance attached to her. Yeah, she was was very emotive. Yeah. Yeah. And the well, sounds that especially they especially because she can't yeah she can't speak I mean there are no she has no English lines and her yeah. eyes are are twice the size of a normal human so it's easy to be a little emotive with with giant CGI eyes yeah your boy James Cameron yeah would know they're about very that. spread apart yeah. I found her to be annoying at times like in kind of like a like um like a manga cartoon or like manic pixie dream girl way with like the sound she makes and like the over uh just like the wild gesticulation but like as i kind of got used to that i found her like there's a moment where like she befriends a cat which first of all we think she's gonna kill the cat spoiler alert she does later on for for you know an, an interesting reason but like she befriends this cat and then Sarah Polly, the moment where Sarah Polly takes the cat away from her and she's whimpering, like I actually started tearing up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. That was like the best part like of she, the movie. It was like, it was like the only time we've seen her in this teenage phase where she's actually like showing, you know, like hu- real human like emotion and attachment for something, for another creature. Yeah. It's heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. She was so distraught at not being able to keep, her pet and it was it was heartbreaking But what's it all amount to? It amounts, you know, we spend some time in domestic drama land and then we basically just get on the the luridness tour de force where Sarah Polly gets mad at Dren's adolescent uh, attitude and propensity to violence and decides she's going to like strap her down to the workbench and uh, terrorize her with, with sharp instruments and cut off her stinger tail. Uh, and she it, strips it, her, which is completely, I mean, it's, yeah. it was so degrading. Just strips right. her and puts her in a Christ like, you know, martyr pose on the table with her, her arms outstretched and her legs bound together. It's, yeah. it, it just, it's such a sudden shift in Sarah Polly's character that I didn't really, I mean, it was disturbing. It was hard to look at, but it also didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Well, she does it because Dren attacks her, which Dren is also prompted yeah. to attack her. Like, Dren certainly has motivation to lash out at the character we keep calling Sarah Polly in this moment. 
Um, and, and then Sarah Polly retaliates to a very extreme degree by yeah, stripping her of little dresses she's been giving Dren all movie and cutting off her stinger. She's got a, a like a bee sting sort of on the end of her tail that uh, killed the cat. And this is supposed to be like like maybe like a hereditary trait that like Sarah Polly um, heredit- hereditary is not the right word, but this is supposed to be like her basically being pushed into a corner and then deciding to react the way her own mother would have when she was mm-hmm. a child. But it's it's handled in a way that's like a little bit messy. Where like yeah, I understood on some level that's what was happening, but it still didn't work for me. It just felt like way too sudden of a shift from everything that we've seen of her before. But then again, this is the woman that conducted a highly unethical experiment to begin with and put her own fucking DNA in it. So I guess she is a loose cannon from the start. Yeah, I bought it. I mean, we, the, the, the groundwork was laid. You just don't necessarily see the sort of, uh, you know, more selfish motivations, uh, for a while. And, and you, and you build up even with some of the ways that she treats Dren up and, Till that moment, you know, I mean, it, to me, it was not going from zero to 60, I guess. But like when I see something like that, I want to feel like, oh, yes, this this turn makes sense. Like, oh, she actually likes this. This is who she is. I don't want to be surprised by it. Like, like, I don't know. Forget See, it. Okay. I, I was not it, it surprised feel- by it. I, I, I mean, I was shocked because it's a shocking moment, but I thought it was all there in the writing and in Sarah Polly's performance. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess this makes sense. Her performance is great. It did It did feel sudden to me, though, upon reflection, the pieces are there. Like, I think this might be more of just like maybe even like an editing problem. Like I feel like there might've been a little bit more material in there to like flesh it out. And this just got like shortened down or like in a, in a screenplay draft somewhere. But like, um, it, it, I guess like what, <laughs> one of the problems I have in this movie is like the characterization, like they throw some pretty big stuff at us, a lot of information, but like the characters never really feel fully fleshed out. It feels like we're still learning about them up until the movie ends. And this this is true of Dren as well. Like I found it find, found it kind of frustrating that like we don't really Dren is just like a purely reactive figure in this movie. Like we ne- like yes, she does take on agency in moments of violence or of sexuality, which we're going to get into. But like beyond just sort of like the obvious like big moment stuff, like when the cat gets taken away, like we don't really see her develop except in the sense that she just becomes more and more like a nasty teenager. What do you want? I'd like, I I would like to see, I would have liked to have seen a few more moments of like, like a few more like empathetic moments with her than what we get because there's like the cat scene. But other than that, she's, you know, she's fucking with Scrabble pieces and, and acting out and throwing shit around. Well, what about the moment where, you know, she's, um, Sarah Polly's putting makeup on her and she, you know, there, there's so much you feel the, the love and her feeling like she's being accepted as a, as a human or someone real in that moment. I mean, there, I feel like there are many moments of that. I guess they just didn't work for me. Like, I don't know. That stuff was good. Those scenes worked for me, you know, when they happened. It's just, I don't know. Like, like Steven said earlier on, like everything about this feels so episodic and all these little vignettes work 
when they're there, but they don't really seem to inform what happens next in the movie, really. It's it's rushed. I think I've like landed on throughout this discussion and in listening to what Patrick really liked about the movie, if this feels like like at first I thought this is like five different movies because like every 20 minutes it kind of changes course and becomes something a little bit different. Really, I think it's two movies and it really is about the 45 minute mark halfway through this that that things totally change. And I think that's what really threw me is like suddenly my my like my sympathies were were like realigned and I wasn't given enough time to like fully get on board with it. I, I wanted more of the back half of this movie and I wanted that to be fleshed out more. I could have used like I feel like this would be a this movie would have worked better for me if everything that happened in the first half was further condensed. And we spend most of our time in the barn watching them trying to parent this monster. Like that's the interesting stuff. When you read the premise, you see the trailer, like that's what you expect. And it just felt too rushed. It felt like there was a lot of room to like really explore these characters, their dynamic. And it ends up just being a series of moments of hysterics and, uh, and, and like scenes of pure shock value, frankly. Absolutely. I mean, we might as well get into it. Adrian Brody, uh, everyone fucks Dren. Everyone fucks. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, there is a rape in this movie. Um, but yeah, Adrian Brody, Brody fucks Dren. And it felt like the lead up to that happening was like superfluous. Like, it didn't feel natural that he wound up, like, just fucking going for it when he did. I wanted there to be, like, a whole, like, act and a half of build-up to that happening so I could fully understand You wanted basic instinct. Sure. (laughs) I always want basic instinct. I got the two scenes that I needed to explain why that happened. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I'm remembering it. Until the first emotional connection, I think, he really struggles with Dren is the scene where he teaches her to dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just he like shows witness, her music it's like witness. Time. You put the record player on the barn. It's a little forbidden love. <laughs> she got to teach her how to dance. They stole it from Witness. Everything good about this movie is stolen from another '90s movie. I didn't. Oh no, the the sex came later. I was thinking that the dancing led into the sex, but that was into the re- that led into the revelation that she was created from Sarah Polly's DNA. I forget how the sex actually happened. Like, what was the what was the lead up to that? Well, when they're dancing, he, there's a clearly a moment where he becomes like uncomfortable and he steps away. And then yeah. after that, so we get a pat. I think Patrick was right. We get two scenes. We get that. And then there's a moment, you know, he and Sarah Polly just like aren't getting along at this point. And he's up. I, I thought he was going to just start jacking off in this scene, to be perfectly honest with you. But he's watching the security cam footage of her. He's trying to figure out where she is. She's underwater oh, yeah. and she's naked and she's dancing underwater very sensually in like waving to the camera and he shuts his computer in like terror. But then the next time he encounters her, they just go to, they take the D train to bone town. Well, yeah. Cause he's been, yeah. He yeah, realizes that just, she, she wants him and, and he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to do this. So that was actually not even the scene I was thinking of. I was also thinking of the scene where he and Sarah Polly have sex. And before they do so, they kind of talk about how they haven't had sex in a while. And he like sees her shadow through the curtain, watching them have sex. And he doesn't, yes. and he oh, doesn't yeah. say anything about it. So that tells me, all right, y'all are already not getting along to begin with. You're not having sex because you're working too much and because you're not getting along. And you don't 
have a problem with Dren watching you through the curtain. So that, you know, sets the, that sets the stage. So I guess, yeah, really three scenes sort of set the stage for me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess it makes sense that they're fucking now. Well, and he he's, gets, he's I mean, so passive. The- he's so passive throughout. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a little annoying in the, I mean, yeah, I just, the sex was unnecessary. Like, I feel like that that was just, like, pure shock value. Like, we keep using the word lurid, which which I'm proud. I, I brought it up first. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's very Verhoeven-y, but, like, it doesn't really have anything to... I don't know. Well, like, for- I, was, I was, like, trying to tie it to, like, some, like, classical mythological tale or something and, like, and coming up kind of short on a direct analog for this. It, it feels completely unnecessary. Well, I, so- I don't want, like, the Oscar prestige drama of Splice. I want the version where Adrian Brody ends up fucking the Splice. Well, I mean, the, the, this brings up Shape of Water, which turned into an Oscar prestige movie where a right. woman fucks the monster. Yeah. <laughs> Liked this um, movie more than The Shape of Water. Hot take. Come oh, I certainly did. I'll, I'll, yeah, let's high five over that next time I see <laughs> And I mean, so, and I will also say about the sex scene, surprisingly explicit. I did not expect that much. I mean... I mean, yeah, there was a yeah, lot they, going on there. They, they saved their R rating for the sex scene. Uh, they were like, how many points do we have in an R rating? Let's let's use them all. Um, you know, the detail I love is the way she uses her tail during sex to like, she like they're like up against a bench or something, and she wraps her tail around it like very taut to get even closer to him and like hold him down. Yeah. Mm. Well, that was kinky. It's weird. So, so we see a lot, we see a lot of people having sex in this movie and the I figured okay well this is we've talked about pregnancy already we're doing human and animal experiments obviously all this exists uh so that we can have fucked up like mutant babies um so I thought for sure that Dren was going to have a baby. I thought um, Sarah Polly might very well have a baby because she had sex with Adrian Brody early on, and she had been stabbed by the by the little octopus Ugh. stinger of Jesus, fetus Dren. Also, didn't have any consequence. Um, and so I thought we were going to, um, you know, go in a different direction. But if you're looking for that movie and if you're looking for a better movie that tangles with the questions of what it means to create life, watch Prometheus. Oh, God. I will die for Prometheus's honor. I'm going to go on a very, very brief tangent, I promise. But, like, I thought of Left Hand of Darkness while watching this. And that's it's a great book, Ursula K. Le Guin. And it's a book in which there's a planet where people can like kind of change genders at will. And it even got criticism in the sixties for being focused on like buying like a binary model of sexuality. And that was something that like upon reflection also kind of frustrated me about this movie. Like when, when I mean, we're in the spoiler room, anything goes when Dren's a woman, she weaponizes her femininity to have sex with Adrian Brody. When Dren is a man, so when she's a woman, she's only attracted to men. When she's a man, she's only attracted to women, and she's a fucking rapist. Like, she's, like, the hyper, a hyper-aggressive male. Like, I found, like, the imagination of what is possible with a being that can sort of change gender over time to be, uh, the, the imagination behind it was extremely limited. And kind of frustrating. But I feel like it's telling that you say she weaponizes her sexuality. I don't think she weaponizes it at all. 
Yeah. She's interested in him. She loves him. She's yeah, not trying to I weaponize it. I don't know. It's the only man in her life. She's in the she's in a literal barn and they took the cat away. So what's she gonna do? Wow. I mean, yeah, true. Like what what do you do if that's all you know? Um, but I would be interested I would be interested in a movie with like a similar concept that's like a little more adventurous in that realm. Anyway. But yeah, let's explain what happens with this fucking sex swap, though. Because, I mean, we already said Fred and Ginger change sexes in the... Or, or Fred... Yeah. No, Ginger changes sex in, in the aquarium, the bloody aquarium scene. So it turns out that was setting up that Dren's going to do that, too. And in, Surprise! At, at the climax of the movie, Dren kind of turns around and she has a male face now. And she ends up chasing Sarah Polly down and, yeah, basically raping her. No, she did. She not basically. Yeah, no, basically about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, She rapes her. Yeah, he rapes her. He rapes her. Whatever. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was all contemptuous. What can I say? What does that mean? I mean, I had contempt. I mean, I thought there were several during the more lurid parts of this movie. I almost thought this movie's asking for (laughs) a screw it with prejudice. I mean, I, Mm. I keep saying that like it reverts to shock value toward the end, and yeah. I, I, I think contemptuous is a I can relate to that assessment of it. I don't know what does it all mean in the end. I mean that's that's my ultimate problem. By the way, this is after Dren dies, by the way. Cute female Dren just dies because her DNA's too fucked up or something. She gets like a fever and dies and they bury her in the back forty <laughs> and it's done. Well, I don't think she and then she, the she's going through the transformation i don't think she dies i think they bury i think well they they, they think bury she her dies. prematurely they she's for like her. i expected like a little sequence of her like molting or something but she didn't have a pulse and they're not very good doctors or scientists they don't even hold a mirror point. up under her nose or anything like they usually do in the movies they just fucking bury her after like 30 you seconds. think they would want to, you know, I don't know, do an autopsy <laughs> or something. <laughs> but um, no, they are, you know, if you're not going to do an autopsy, maybe like cremate her because God knows what kind of weird invasive organism she has in her in, in her. They're going to be released into. Well, the let's say this, though. They are relieved. I think they jumped to this conclusion and they're there. They have a conversation after Adrian Brody has sex with her. And after the operation that Sarah Polly conducted on her, where they sit together and Adrian Brody's like, this was an experiment and it's over now. So they're like thrilled when they think she's dead. They're like, all right, we can just bury her and pretend this never happened and get back to life. Well, they're, they're very sad. They're very sad. But yeah, there is an element, I think, of relief where they're glad to be rid of the moral burden. But as, but they both have love for Dren and they are both sad. And Sarah Polly in particular is sobbing when when Dren passes. Yeah, I mean, thrilled was um, an exaggeration, I guess. It was, a, it was supposed to be an emotional but, moment. But like at the end of the day, you know, they need to grieve, but they're like, they're just ready for it to be over. And they're ready to try again as a couple. But you know that, yeah. So then the science man shows up, and then like Adrian Brody's brother, who's a supporting character, shows up, and they're pissed off, looking for Dren. Uh, Dren comes out of the earth, 
as Mandran. And then, yeah, everything you said, kind of the way this movie uh, has kind of a shallow interpretation of gender. This, the, because he's a man, he yeah. is violent and he kills everybody mm-hmm. and he commits a heinous rape. And I guess, again, this is the thing. It's like if this movie's trying to sell us on Sarah Polly being a villain. Are we supposed to enjoy this scene of her getting raped by Mandren? Because it's, I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel about any of this, and it pisses me off. It was just horrifying, like, all around. Well, no, you're not supposed to cheer it on. Yeah, I've, oh my god. If, if this, I don't if think this it's movie a concept of... It's, it's horrifying whether or not you see Sarah Polly's character as a villain. Like, it's, Yeah. Well, what I, I don't think it's a narrow concept of gender. I mean, I think it's just playing into sort of like traditional like animal sexuality. Yeah. Too bad they didn't have a, a newspaper they could have rolled up and just smacked him when he came out of the grave. Here, here's where I, I want to support my argument that like I want more of the back half of this movie. I want that to be the focus because I think what's going on here is like it becomes a movie about raising a child and how difficult that is, especially if there are problems within the marriage of the parents. And I feel like Dren's gender expression behavior is like a direct reaction to her parents. And like once she has sex with Adrian Brody, who's kind of like, you know, a little bit of a douche, she doesn't get pregnant. She turns into a man and acts like what that means to her like what she thinks men are like and how men behave like i feel like like that's sort of, that i think that's what the movie is going for a little bit that like she's like a, oh see i didn't catch that i didn't think about it until just now to be perfectly honest with you but i feel like i, I feel like mm-hmm. that's in the dna of this movie that like that transform like that's the reason that transformation happens and like that's maybe what it's supposed to to mean and but it's just it happens so quickly that you don't really even have time to think about it yeah, see, I didn't think there was any sort of deeper meaning behind why it happened. I think that was just, I mean, what we saw with Fred and Ginger and Ginger's transformation is it's just a normal part of their physiology and, like, developmental process is that eventually the the hormone, there's a hormonal shift in the organism. And so that's what I thought was happening to her. I didn't think it was necessarily prompted by anything, but just a normal part of that organism's development. But it, that's that's yeah. a good point, but it's going to be different because of the human DNA. And like, I feel like this movie would have, I feel like, the, okay, this is not me rewriting the movie. Maybe it is a little bit, but I like, I like that concept better that like, oh, like that's what happens to these organisms like in, like in their quote unquote natural state after they're synthetically produced. But like now that there's human DNA in there, like we, we're mixing emotions into it as well. And so like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about it way too much. I'm grasping at straws here. I wanted this movie to have I wanted this movie to have big ideas like that though. It felt like it was going there and it didn't follow through. We have violent killer Dren. It turns into this kind of straight sci-fi horror for about five minutes. Adrian Brody dies. Sarah Polly ultimately it's sci-fi uh, horror gets... for the whole ninety minutes. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> okay. Christ. It's not sci-fi horror when they're when they're dressing up Dren in a dress and they're doing uh, they're playing Scrabble and putting lipstick on How her. That's horror. Sci-fi horror. That's that horror. is so Come unsettling. On. What the fuck are you talking about? I found the makeup and all that a little a little upset, a little disturbing. Yeah, not right. disturbing, but just like 
uncomfortable. And it gets to what I'm saying about like how Dren is like trying to understand how to be half human or even part human, but also like she's having all these rules about like gender expression, like literally painted on her in that scene. That stuff is interesting, Mm. but it's also also horrific because like these people made a monster and they're treating her like she's just a girl. You know, like, uh-huh. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. it's scary, unsettling stuff. And that's the point of that stuff. That's all I'm saying is that's the point is for it to be unsettling. Like, you're not just detouring into a family drama. Like, that's building the weirdness and, and the unsettling nature of it. And you're building empathy with Dren because she's responding well to these things because she thinks these people are, are treating her well. But it turns out they're just trying to imprint their own bullshit on her. That that stuff worked for me. I just when I talk about sci-fi horror, I mean I'm talking about this thing becomes a fucking xenomorph essentially in the last five minutes. This you know this was more. It reminds me of Alien Covenant. It, oh it, my! It, God. It's running through the woods, screeching, dragging people into the trees, disemboweling them, stabbing them in the heart with a stinger it's 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 well far removed from the unsettlingness that we kind of get in the in the well that's where it's kind of that stuff is where it's cronenberg where it's more interested in like all right here's like a body horror adjacent well no it's body horror here's a body horror premise but we're grounding in reality and seeing how like real people deal with it i just wanted more of sarah polly adrian brody and this the monster they created Doing that stuff. I wanted to get to know them better because I didn't feel like I got to know them very well in the first 45 minutes where they're just rock stars fucking around in a lab and and uh, um, hosting murderous expos. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm about ready to be taken out to the back 40 and buried. So... <laughs> Do we have do we yeah. have further comments on Splice? I mean, I mean, the, the the at the end of the movie, Sarah Polly kills Dren with a rock, and then finds out surprise that she's pregnant. Oh, she's right. pregnant with Dren's uh, baby, and the pharmaceutical company uh, has plans to monetize it, and she willfully signs on the dotted line to retire a rich woman after bringing another horrible thing to term. Yep. I don't know. It's very Rosemary's Baby. It's a little bit the Omen. I kind of liked it. Yeah. I, I dug it. And that the whole idea of her being pregnant with this thing, that to me was scary because Dren is created from her DNA. And yeah. then she's been impregnated by Dren. So that's like... Listen, it's so incestuous. situation on her hands. You have no idea how this thing is going to develop. And I mean, look how fast the original Dren developed and how violently it came out of that artificial womb tub blue Gatorade thing. How violent that birth was. It's like, oh, I just, mm mm, mm mm, no thank you. I mean, it's definitely not going to be an ideal uh, pregnancy. Maybe a sequel setup. Who knows? Maybe well, we'll okay. Get, so maybe we'll get Splice 2. Splice. Splices. Splice. <laughs> Splices. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I read. Okay. So I read about this, and Natalie, the director, has said that he did not intend for a sequel or for a hint of a sequel. He likes to leave. And I, I've. I think In the Tall Grass does this, which he also directed. It's a Netflix original. 
um, he likes to leave his viewers with a question at the end of his movies. And he had no intention of a mm. sequel. He didn't even think he would sell this movie to begin with because it took so long to get anybody interested in it. Um, so I don't think we're getting a sequel. I think we're, we're left to ponder whatever that philosophical question is at the end of it. Um, sure, it's going to keep all of us up at night. Well, I was left with a question. <laughs> And that is, what the hell are we watching for the next and what, episode? Better question. I had the same What question. is the Wheel of Death choosing for us to watch next episode? Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. We have to pull out the old uh, Wheel of Death, the cyber wheel, uh, where we have every movie currently on Netflix in the in the randomizer. It feels like it's been we're a while. Give it a spin. Did we do something else? It feels else? like it's been a long time. I don't know we've been doing special we did quarantine specials. We, we, we did, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we did. We watched every Final Destination movie instead of doing the wheel. Yeah. We watched Outbreak. It's all good. All right, we're gonna we're gonna give the elect the we're gonna give the cyber wheel a spin here. Can I just say how ridiculously excited I am for this? Oh God, what's it gonna be? I hope it's something I actually know slash want to see. That's no fun. It is. The Golem. Oh, I have seen I that. I see that. Oh, Katie saw the Golem. I liked it. Ooh. All right. All right. I'm ready. I've been very interested to see this. I've heard good things. I'm excited. Thank you, Wheel. Yeah. Love you. Wheel. I enjoyed it. I was on an international horror kick for a while. I watched the Mouse, and then the Golem. Well, I'm excited to watch the Golem with y'all in a couple of weeks. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Steven. I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. And I'm Katie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, Katie. Good luck in the lab, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't splice any splices. No. Bye, Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.